favorite thriller. Presented by The Thriller Fiction Podcast. Jim Heskett talks to thriller authors about their favorite thriller books. And now, here's your host. Today I'm talking with Craig A. Hart, the, and let me tell you a little bit about Craig, but first let me say hi. Hi, Craig. How you doing? Hi, Jim. Good. Glad to be here. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is what is written on Craig's Amazon page, so I will assume it is true. Craig A. Hart is the stay-at-home father of... <laughs> you can correct me if I'm wrong when I'm done here. <laughs> Craig A. Hart is the stay-at-home father of twin boys, his most important job. Secondly, he's the author of the Shelby Alexander thriller series and the Spyco novella series. A native of Grand Rapids, Michigan, Craig lives in Iowa City, Iowa. And that's it. That's pretty short and to the point on your Amazon bio there. Yeah, much like my books, they tend to run. <laughs> they tend to run short. <laughs> I do too. I have I have a hard time writing long. My longest book yeah. is about uh, is about eighty five thousand words, and that was a, that was hard to get it up to that length. You know, I, I have dreams of one day writing this massive epic. Like I've always had that you know thing that you need a forklift to move around. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ever going to get there, though, unless I put a lot of my stuff together and call each book a chapter. Sure. <laughs> but I, I tend to write to write short, and I you know, I guess maybe that's a good thing because I know it seems to be a more common occurrence that people write long and have to learn how to cut things down, but I seem to have the opposite problem. Yeah, for, I'm that every, way too. For better or worse. I Exactly. I'm that way too. I write short in first draft, and then I go back and I expand it to like twice as long as it was. Right. Anyway, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and about what you write? Uh, well, I write mostly thrillers. I uh, started out writing uh, more, I guess you would call it literary fiction. My first published novel, I would say, was uh, Becoming Moon, which is literary fiction. Uh, and I discovered that uh, it's very difficult to market and sell literary fiction unless you're an established name, like you know John Irving, for example, or, or um, somebody like that. And, and I was not them. Uh, so I began to do a little market research and one of the things that i had always enjoyed reading was thrillers thriller suspense that kind of thing and uh so i said well why don't i try that that's something i like to read and they always say to you know write what you the books that you want to read so i gave that a shot and turned out that uh, not only did i enjoy doing it but other people seemed to enjoy reading it so i kept doing with that yeah it seems like to get to get noticed in literary fiction you really have to go the short story route first you have to mm. get a, what is it the push cart is that the, yes, the big yeah, prize that's or one of them yeah get a New Yorker um, yeah you have to you have to build up your short story um, uh, credentials and then you get you get uh, attention when your book when your book comes out right and the thing is that I uh, people who do well at literary fiction tend to go the traditional publishing route and I didn't want to do that like mm -hmm. I didn't I don't know if I'm too impatient. Like I didn't want to go through, jump all the hoops, find an agent and do the submissions and wait for years. And it's just, I just didn't want to. Uh, and then again, the short story takes time to build up a short story you know, repertoire and a, a list of credits to actually have people take you seriously. And like, you know what? <laughs> I just, I'm not sure I want, I want to do that. You know, I want to do things now. I've always been that type for better again, for better or worse that I don't, I don't let the grass grow underneath my feet. I, I like to keep moving and the literary fiction route just looked like too long of a haul for me. Yep, absolutely. I get that. I, I was the exact same way with my writing career. So um, today we're going to talk about your favorite thriller. And when yeah. you first told me your choice, I thought it was a little curious because this is not a writer <laughs> who's known for thrillers. Right. Uh, but why don't you tell us about the book you chose? 
Sure. Uh, so one of my favorite thrillers is called Last of the Breed, and it's by Louis L'Amour. So you're right. He's not Louis L'Amour is not known for writing thrillers. He's mostly known as the Western guy. But I most there was a time, uh, and I, I still am a big fan of his, but there was a time when I read everything I could get uh, by him. Um, but I discovered that the books by him that I liked the most were not his Westerns. They were the the novels, the historical novels, um, like The Walking Drum is one is a really good one. Uh, Haunted Mesa is another non-Western, uh, more modern, set in the West, but it's in modern day. Um, and then, of course, Last of the Breed. And uh, Last of the Breed is uh, it's set in uh, the Cold War. And so it features this pilot, Mac, Joe Mac, who is a Native American, a Sioux. And he's flying an experimental plane over Soviet airspace, and he's shot down and captured. Uh, so that's the setup to the book. But the, the the meat of the story is that he escapes and uses his knowledge, his uh, Native American knowledge and heritage that he, he, he uh, uh, gleaned to trek all the way across Siberia uh, to freedom. We assume the book ends up on a bit of a question mark, but we can assume that he, he, he did get away. Uh, and the, it's just a very, it, the premise has been done before, but Lamore handled it so well. And when I first read it, I was shocked because it was so different from his Western stuff. And a lot of people don't give him credit for being the master craftsman that he really was. I think at times he perhaps felt trapped in in that western genre because you know i've read a lot of things where he would he would write things to try to get out of it and people and his publishers for example would say no we don't want that from you we want the westerns because that's what's selling <laughs> you know but he had dreams and ambitions beyond that and he had the chops to do it and i think that book is a prime example of it hmm, interesting yeah i always think of shell silverstein so known for his children's poetry but he wrote some pretty excellent poetry for grown-ups that really never yep. got uh didn't didn't get a whole lot of attention because of what he was known for. Yeah, he um, wrote some stuff for Playboy. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so I don't know anything about this book. I haven't I haven't uh, uh, I haven't read the the Last Breed. Um, is it? Would you say that it's more like a plot driven book, or is it more driven by this Joe Mac character? Is it is it more a character study? It starts out plot based. I mean, like you get the feeling that it might be a thriller, um, but once you get into it, it's it is a thriller. But it also has a lot of elements of suspense to it. And by that, I say some of the more traditional thrillers that we think of, they are they tend to be plot based, fast moving action. But this one has a lot of character in it as well. Uh, and it's partly Joe Mack. But I would say the biggest character in the book is the elements and the terrain and the land. That is that's the elephant in the room. That's what he's battling against. And everything he does is controlled and dictated by those elements. And so, again, that's, to me, a, a testament to Lemoore's skill that he was able to take a non-human uh, element of the book and make it the most important character in the book. Mm. So is is the uh, the element or the elements, is that the villain of the book or is there is there a regular villain you could tell us about without spoiling everything? There, yeah, you know... Um, I wouldn't, the elements, they're, they're not an evil thing. You know, they're just something that it's there, you know, it's, um, but it's amoral. There is a villain in the book and, um, 
it is a kind of his Joe Max Russian counterpart. So a uh, native who has learned and lived off the land. And so the book pits these two characters who in most ways are equal. Uh, in fact, the, the Soviet guy has a bit of an edge because he's more familiar with that area than Joe Mack is. And so you, you can see as it, the chapters kind of go back and forth between you see the, the Soviet and I, and I'm, Alekin, that's his name. Alekin, he's um, make trying to track down Joe uh, th- through the wilderness, and then Joe taking um, measures to escape that. So it's kind of this chess match that's played out throughout the book. It seems like in in most thrillers, in the really good ones, you have you have the protagonist and the antagonist who are at least equally matched. And usually yeah, in, a, yep. in a good one, the antagonist is more powerful and that adds a lot to the tension of how is the hero going to win going up against a stronger force? Right. I think that, I think that is, you hit the nail and that is absolutely key for pretty much any book. Um, especially thrillers because the stakes have to be high enough to make the reader you know, care at all. Um, and I think that was one of the things that's not something I think that has improved most about my own writing. Like I didn't get that early on. Um, I tended to spend all my time focused on the main character and building them up and fleshing them out and then throw in the villain kind of as an afterthought. Okay. I need somebody for him to fight, <laughs> but mm-hmm. that doesn't, that doesn't work. Uh, it's, you have to spend as much or perhaps more time working on your bad guy as you do your hero. Um, and if you can make the bad guy as human as your hero, you're going to have a hell of a story. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows Darth Vader is way cooler than Luke Skywalker. Right. Yeah. I mean, and go back to your point where the, perhaps the villain has to be stronger when you have a main character who is all powerful. That's super boring. Nobody's mm-hmm. going to want to read that. That was the problem. That's why they invented kryptonite for Superman because it started out you're like, you know, there's this guy is invincible. <laughs> There's nothing he can do. So they had to invent uh, some element or something that could actually render him uh, helpless in some way. Yeah, I think that's part of the reason why I haven't uh, really gelled with the Jack Reacher books mm. because he's so capable. He doesn't really he doesn't really have flaws. <laughs> Right. You know, he can beat up anybody. He can solve any puzzle. He can figure out any. Um, it's really hard to put one over on him. So it doesn't really. I don't know. I've I've read a few Jack Reacher books and I actually liked some of them, but other ones I didn't because it just didn't feel like they're like I just I knew I knew Jack Reacher was going to make it through just fine because <laughs> because, yeah. you know, you put him you put him in a bar and he's playing pool and there's 12 guys there who want to beat him up. I'm like, I know Jack can handle this. There's really right. there's Only no question 12. that he's going to kick all 12 of their butts. And uh <laughs> And before his song in the jukebox is finished, he's going to kick all 12 of their butts. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to Louis Lemoore. So would you would you describe this book as a page turner? And what does that mean to you? Uh, it certainly was for me. Um, and I guess, I don't know, I guess it's, it's what it sounds like, something that continues to force you to turn those pages. And it's sometimes a mystery what that element is in a book. And it means different things to different people. Uh, for example, there are people who love 
say I was talking with Hallie Efron. Uh, she writes suspense and has won some awards uh, for it and whatnot. And she, we were talking about suspense, and she said it takes a certain kind of reader to read suspense, and I think that's true of any really any genre. Um, so what is a page turner for one person may not necessarily be a page turner to another. But for me, the technique, if a writer can bring a reader from one sentence to the next and from one paragraph to the next, one page to the next, and then chapter to the next, you can make a page turner out of pretty much any genre if you have nailed that technique down. And they are kind of specific to each genre, but there are some common elements that, that pull that together. And that's something we could talk for a week about what that entails, plot characterization and all that stuff. But yeah, I, I mean, page turner is kind of a, it's a word that kind of gets tacked onto thrillers and you see it in summaries all the time, a page turner, you know, and that, I think that applies, but I think it can also apply to pretty much any genre that's out there if it's done properly. Mm -hmm. So, so when she said there's a certain kind of reader who you have to be a certain kind of reader to read suspense, who do you think suspense is not good for? Well, she gave the example of, well, herself, which was interesting because she writes them, but she mm -hmm. uh, saying that if they're, for example, if we're watching television and the, the show is too suspenseful, you just have to turn it off. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> you know, and I, I could understand that because my wife does that all the time. Like I'm watching a show or something. She's, I can't, got to turn it off. Got to like, why? This is mm -hmm. the good part. Why would you turn it? She's like, I can't take it. It's, I cannot handle it. Okay. And I think there's a certain, you know, reader who that they don't like that tension mm -hmm. like you know it's it's a lot of times it's the same people who don't like confrontation like they, they can't handle that element for some reason um and i don't thrive on it but in a story that's to me that's what makes a story work is is confrontation and and you know disagreements and all that kind of thing um so yeah it was just a really interesting i hadn't ever thought about it that way before before talking with you know hallie efron and uh but i think i think in large part she's right about that Hmm. You know, I don't I don't mind at all cliffhangers and, and tension in a book or a TV show like that. But what I can't stand is that kind of cringy uncomfortableness that you get on Curb Your Enthusiasm or The Office that <laughs> because you just know that Michael Scott or Larry is going to say something horrible and everything's going to go so wrong that that really puts me on edge. So I guess I can kind of relate to that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is this is this book a series? No, no, it is not. And I don't. I don't think it would necessarily work as well. I suppose you could re rework it a bit and make it work into a, like a series of TV shows. But in terms of a series of books, it's pretty satisfying and tidy the way it is. Mm -hmm. It's Louis, one of those things that does that does work well as a as a standalone. Did Did Louis L'Amour write many series? He has, yeah, well, sort of. He has uh, the Sackets, which are, it's kind of a series. So what is the Sackets, it's a family name. And what he does with each book is he takes a different uh, generation of Sackets and then follows them throughout the years. Hmm. Um, so we get to see back in the 1500s all the way up to the Old West, for example. And then, of course, you the whole has he has the whole family tree laid out and, and mm -hmm. you can follow these these people. So that's kind of a series, but it's not the kind of series where you would have to necessarily read them in order to understand the characters, per mm -hmm. se, because they're kind of they're divided by time and generations. It's kind of like the way most romance series or series is that each one, you know, usually follows a different set of characters because you can't have them can't have the same characters breaking up and getting back together over and over right. again over 12 <laughs> books that that wouldn't really work people get pretty tired just get together god 
Right. <laughs> so, um, what's the what's the one thing that makes this book stand above other thrillers that you enjoy? What is it that made you choose this book? It played an important role from. I think influencing me to become a writer. I read it for the first time pretty early on. I don't, I don't know how old I was, but it was probably 11 or 12. And again, it was just so different from what Louis L'Amour had my exposure to Louis L'Amour at that point that it, it really stood out. Not because, not only because it was different, but because it was just so different from what he did. And it was so good. And I think I read it at the right time. Like I was starting to kind of, get interested in, in words and, and how they work together. And then I read this book and it was just sort of a slap across the face. Like, Oh wow, this was amazing. Um, Mm. so it just, I don't know, I don't know exactly why it had that effect on on me beyond what I've already laid out, but it really did. It really was like a light bulb turned on. Um, so it's, it's really stayed with me, you know, for those reasons. It's, it's just, uh, it's a standout book. Do you have you read a lot of his other stuff or do you stay away from his westerns and just read his his thrillery adventure kind of stuff? I've read a lot of his stuff. I haven't I don't really I don't read the westerns much anymore because uh it's not really my genre anymore. It used to be when I was I was a kid I was very interested in, you know, the opening up of the west and all that stuff and I still have some interest in it, but now the stuff that I read of his are uh, some of his short stories, which some of those are Westerns, but many of them are not. He has a lot of good crime uh, mm. stories, uh, short stories. And then the few novels I mentioned, like uh, Haunted Mesa, Walking Drum and Last of the Breed and a couple of others. It's pretty, <coughs> excuse me, it's pretty um, uncommon. It seems like at least in the circles you and I run in for an author, an established author to write in different so many in different genres like that because generally you know you become known for a thing and you write in that thing just like Shel Silverstein like we were talking about but like Stephen King is a great example that he he can he primarily writes horror or dark fantasy but mm. his non-horror stuff is some of is my favorite stuff of his that he's that he's written um, right and and when he puts out something that's non-horror I'm definitely going to read that like Joyland was came out a few years ago which was a yeah a, oh yeah coming yeah. of age book about a kid working at a carnival and it was a great book yeah. and it wasn't um it was it was more kind of one of his books that there's sort of implied supernatural stuff going on but it wasn't really at the forefront anywhere in the story um so I just think it's it's interesting when a writer can branch out and and work across multiple genres that I don't think you see I guess I should say you don't see somebody having success with that usually Right. Yeah. I didn't, of course, you know, now Stephen King is, yes, he can, <laughs> you know? he can write whatever he wants um, and it's going to be a New York times bestseller. Right, exactly. But you know, there are other examples of it, of course. And then, uh, John Grisham is one, you know, he started with the legal thriller stuff and then he started writing literary fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me it was just like he waited until he could afford to do that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, Yeah. So, uh, speaking of genre, what do you think is that makes a thriller a thriller? Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, um, I mean, there, there are, there's the, the technical stuff where is you've got, uh, it's typically plot driven. Um, it's a lot of action involved, uh, fast moving, 
And a lot of the things that I think of with thrillers when I before I got into it weren't necessarily complimentary. Like with before I had a lot of experience with it, well, you know, the characters are throwaway characters, cardboard characters. It's all about plot and action and whatnot. And there are certainly some like that. But when I got started doing the research and, and started writing my own and then meeting other thriller authors, I realized that that's really not what it's about at all. Um, to me, a thriller is about creating a character so good that when bad things happen, the stakes are really, really high. And that definition can apply to books that may not technically be called a thriller. Hmm. Um, I mean, there's a limit to that, of, of course. But, you know, thriller is just... I don't think you can have a thriller that... Uh, in which nothing happens, of course. There has to be some plot movement in there. Uh, but I think it's a little overblown in a way, and I certainly had it wrong when I thought about that's all it was because there's a lot more to it than that. Hmm, interesting. Um, okay, so we are almost at the conclusion of our little talk. So what book of yours do you want to uh, do you want to tell the audience about? What do you want to promo today, Craig? Well, let's see. I think I'll say... Uh, Save yourself the trouble. No, <laughs> no uh, my, one of my more uh, recent ones is uh, Night at Key West, and it's the beginning of a new series. It is a historical mystery uh, set in 1930s Key West, and that's during the time when Ernest Hemingway uh, was living down there. And so the book features him prominently as a character. Uh, I think my, and I forgot to mention this early, and I was going to bring this up. One of my intentions early on when I started getting into thriller away from literary fiction was to find a way to marry the two genres together. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, why can't you have a thriller or a thriller slash mystery? Because, you know, those, it's uh, the, the boundary there is kind of blurry for me. And then marry that with some aspects of literary fiction. And by that, I was thinking of characterization. I've come to learn that the two, there aren't necessarily as separate as I thought they were originally. Um, but anyway, when I start, first started writing thrillers, that's what I wanted to do, was to bring the two together and take the best elements of both and create something something different. Um, a first series I tried with the Shelby Alexander series, it wasn't as... Uh, the series has done well, but in terms of what I wanted to do, it wasn't as successful as I wanted it to be. The Simon Wolf series, which of which Night at Key West is the first installment, is my second attempt to do that, and I think a more successful one as well, where I bring in some elements... You know that I learned from literary fiction and brought it into the thriller realm in a way. So I use you know, there's a lot of characterization, but I also use uh, the setting as a big part of the character, the Key West setting. Like you know, the, I did a lot of research uh, about it, and I've had people who have been there and lived there who've, who've read it and told me that you you nailed it. Uh, so I use the setting and I use the, the weather, uh, all that as effect on the story itself. I believe there's a term for that, for that uh, that crossover between literary and genre fiction. I think they call that upmarket. Hmm. I think that's, I mean, I, I may be totally remembering that wrong, but that's what I remember them describing as, as a genre fiction where the focus is more on the quality of the prose than it hmm. is on, on the plot. But who knows? That It's been a while since I heard that, so I don't even know if people call it that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, heaven forget with the terms wrong these days. <laughs> yeah, I know. Who knows? I'm just saying words here. Um, <clears throat> anyway, 
well, I really appreciate you stopping by, Craig, to talk about Louis L'Amour's book and talking about your own book, Night at Key West. And uh, thanks for coming by, and I hope you have a great day, man. Absolutely. Thanks, Jim. I had a good fun. Take care. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Your Favorite Thriller podcast. I'm Jim Heskett, and if you want to support the show, please rate and review it online and tell a friend who loves thriller books. See you next time.